0: Hello, Nerd Herders. You're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. In this episode, Aaron and I will recap and analyze season two, episode eight of Chuck, Chuck versus the Gravitron. That is a guarantee. I promise in this episode, we are talking about Chuck versus the Gravitron. I know that you've probably been sitting at home going, like, hey, when are they going to get to Chuck versus the Gravitron? Well, it's right now we're going to be doing Chuck versus the Gravitron. How many more times am I going to say Gravitron? Gravitron. Feel free to send us an email at gochuckyourselfpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com if you have any questions or stories you'd like to share. Maybe it's a question like, hey, why does Chris always start the shows in such a weird way? You know what, listener? I'm not sure. Why do I start the shows in such a weird way? Aaron, do you have any ideas? She's not responding. Okay. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at GoChuckPodcast. Tweet at us. We always love getting some social media love. And make sure you like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or, hey, wherever you get this podcast. We'd love to hear from you now. Make sure that you buckle up because we're going for a spin in the old Gravitron here on Go Chuck Yourself. Here we go.
1: fans of chuck were called chuckies what? really i don't know if that's true well someone someone else who was writing review so probably someone who felt just as awkward as us introducing the episode uh referred to everyone as chuckies so i know we've we've said chucksters a lot
0: so but so we are chuckies ourselves
1: i don't know like well i'm thinking maybe it's kind of like Trekkies. like oh so uh, we're, we're chuckies but we're also addressing chuckies right but that just makes me feel like a lot of there's like a lot of Rugrats characters and then a lot of evil dolls in our audience,
0: <laughs> which that's just awesome. I mean, I've seen the metrics. I think that it, it sounds just about <laughs> right. Uh, hello. Yep. Hello, Chuckies around the world. Uh, you're listening to Go Chucky yourself. My name is Chris Gillespie.
1: My name is Aaron Arada. A
0: couple of Chuckies right here. A
1: couple of Chuckies. Is OK, is Chucky the doll based on Chucky? The Is one of them based on the other? Because they kind of look the same. I, is that a I thing? I do not know. We'll talk about that? No, OK. Not sure. All right.
0: Would, go yeah. Chucky yourself. Go
1: chucky yourself. Yeah, that's that's a very easy spin-off for us uh, today. It's so
0: easy. I can't believe it took us but this. I do long not to get want there. to
1: watch it. That's the only problem.
0: Go chucky yourself. Maybe we should do that for Halloween.
1: That would okay. That's all right. That's I'll do it for I'll do it for that bit.
0: oh uh, that'd be funny.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh I like it. I like it a lot. Um so I this episode in particular, I don't know why, but it has me thinking a lot about Los Angeles uh, where Chuck takes place and I
1: <laughs> I mean that makes sense it is set there
0: <laughs> but specifically and I, I wanted to ask you this because I think you've lived there for almost a year at this point and you've almost gone through a full um, yeah full calendar year at in California and I was wondering like mm-hmm. why aren't all the characters in Chuck sweating all the time like isn't what? it warmer like they're dressed wearing they usually wear pants they wear sometimes they wear long sleeve shirts but no one's sweating
1: okay well okay so Sarah and Chuck and Chuck's family and then Jill in this episode, presumably all grew up in California, okay. so maybe they're a little bit more used to it. I mean, I think that uh, structures in California are definitely built to release heat rather than retain it. So okay. like while they're in the Baymore, it's definitely air conditioned like a lot of locations will be air conditioned when they're outside. I really can't tell you when they're at this carnival really can't tell okay. you, but I have to assume that because they grew up in these locations, they're just used to it and don't experience heat the same way that we on the East Coast did do. Mm-hmm. You do, I did. I think actually we find out Casey's also from California. I think all these characters are just from California. That's that's my only explanation that I can give you.
0: I guess this episode, um, this is the Thanksgiving episode for yes. season two. So I guess this would take place in November. So it would stand to reason yeah, that so it's, it's a, little, a little bit more mild.
1: Yeah, it's a little, a little nippy. Our, this past November that I was here was very, very warm. Mm-hmm. But I think like, but in winter time, generally it gets into like the 50s. So.
0: Okay. Yeah, I guess that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough.
1: So good, good question. Uh, speaking of LA, I wanted to tell you a little story to, about uh, my life. Actually, today, the day we are recording, I became a true Angelino. Um, it's it took almost a full calendar year, but uh, it happened today. Okay.
0: How does that work? And I will
1: tell you exactly what happened. I was at Trader Joe's and the Trader Joe's cashiers are very friendly and they ask uh, how you're doing and what you're doing with your day, probably because their boss makes them. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because they're interested, but because someone is making them. But, you know, uh, we're all trapped in this hell together, so I have to answer. And usually I just say, you know, when I when I wasn't, when I was a, like, East Coaster, I would have said, oh yeah, uh, seeing some friends, you know, whatever. I would probably not give, I would be like, oh yeah, uh, what are you up to? Like, not... Nah really give a detailed answer mm-hmm. but because uh i've been in la for so long uh it slipped from my mouth without me even having to think about it oh i'm recording a podcast this afternoon oh uh then then the guy said uh what's your podcast and i said oh do you know the show chuck and he said i do and i said oh well our podcast is uh reviewing the show chuck from a modern lens and um it's called go Chuck Yourself." <laughs> Uh, and he laughed, and uh, so if uh, you, uh, the uh, I'm sorry I don't know your name, but the Trader Joe's Cashier, if you are listening to this episode, thank you. I'm uh, glad that my uh, horrible small talk inspired you, but I, uh, I've i become an Angelino, and I now uh, promote myself uh, un- unashamed, and by name, I shout the name of my podcast <laughs> to uh, whoever will listen.
0: That's awesome. Well, someone's got to yeah, do it. Yeah, it was...
1: It was very shocking uh hearing it come out of my mouth. I was not uh I was not prepared. I don't know if the cashier was prepared. I mean, I feel like probably someone does this to him every day. Uh-huh. But uh Yeah, he
0: probably yeah, hears so. about all the the coolest podcasts out there. Kind of uh yeah, that's... sends a shiver down my spine hearing about how open you were with that. I would definitely not do that. <laughs> I only
1: <laughs> I mean, I I've, I've started putting it on resumes when I apply to jobs. So, uh I I take pride in what we're doing here. I I don't know. Well,
0: I do too. I just, I mentioned it in job interviews where it comes up a lot. And then Mm. I usually I take the same approach that you do. And I say, do you are you familiar with the TV show, Chuck? And they oftentimes almost always I don't think I've had anyone say yes. I feel like I've only had people say no. So then I'm like, all right, off to a great start. So I'm like, well,
1: I also wondered if the the, uh, cashier just said yes in order. So I wouldn't explain to him what it was.
0: (laughs) For the love of God. Yeah, I know. I know. Don't. (laughs) It's about the show. Fortunately for you, there's approximately... What twenty hours of you talking about Chuck available for him to yes. listen to?
1: Yeah. Again, welcome.
0: <laughs> uh, welcome. Thank you for thank you for joining us. Uh, just a couple of. Uh, uh, I'm not an Angelino. Are the? Wait, are you an Angelina? Because you're a lady.
1: I ro- I wrote when I texted yeah. you about this. I said I'm an Angelina, but that was just autocorrect. I'm not really sure. Okay.
0: Because I read that and I was like, oh, so you're you changed your name to. You're like really Italian I well, I now. I understand
1: that that could have been confusing. You could have thought that I had married Brad Pitt um, and then divorced him uh, after adopting several children. Mm-hmm. You could have thought that who's another. Uh, I was a. I had become a ballerina and also a mouse. You could have thought many things, but uh, I meant Angelino.
0: Gotcha, Angelino. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would love to check in with our favorite bunch of Angelinos, <laughs> Angelinas, in Chuck specifically season two episode eight of chuck chuck versus the gravitron just a bunch of angelinos and angelinas hanging out i don't know it seems like i'm talking about the jersey shore when i say that
1: yeah it kind of does so let's uh let's hop in much like we're hopping into a, a carnival ride is there a
0: recap before this episode or should we just kind of give a little bit of context from the previous episode
1: um chuck has been uh chuck reconnected with his college girlfriend jill Mm -hmm. Um, who we thought was just, like, a girl who happened to have fallen in with uh, a man who had ties to, like, spy stuff. But, uh, as Chuck's relationship with Jill heated up, um, we found out that unbeknownst to Chuck, but beknownst to Sarah and Casey, Jill is a Fulcrum agent. She took, um... Now, I wouldn't say she kidnapped Chuck, but, like, Chuck doesn't know that she's an agent, and she has him off the grid without his tracking device in her car, and they're driving to some undisclosed location, mm-hmm. so the episode ends, the previous episode ends with that happening. Right.
0: So, Chuck seems to be uh, in imminent danger, he yes. doesn't know it. Yes. Okay.
1: Um, the episode begins with a flashback to 2002, so we're not going to get immediate answers to whether Chuck is still alive, um, but... Chuck and Jill are uh, in the flashback. They look exactly the same, but they're wearing sweatshirts, so we know that they're seven years younger or whatever. I don't know exactly how younger they are. But it's 2002. Um, They are riding a Ferris wheel together, and we learn that despite his fear of heights, Chuck has bribed the ride operator to stop them at the top so he can ask Jill out. Um, He rambles a lot, and one of the lines that he says is, we've been friends for a semester now. And I just really laughed at that, because a semester's not really that long of an amount of time. (laughs) But uh, Chuck knows what he wants, and Jill does too, because she is receptive to his confession and she kisses him. In the present, Beckman wants to know how Casey and Sarah possibly let Jill get away with Chuck. She says, Find him, I don't care how, just do it. During that line, we cut into like, we get a shot of her in her office speaking, Mm -hmm. which you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the first time we like see her in person, like not just through a proxy of a screen.
0: I don't think it's the first time, because I think they did it in the first season. Okay. I can't give you an exact but moment, but I think that they. I did was it.
1: startled by it because like usually it's just we see her pop up on a screen. Yeah, it
0: was. I don't know why it was strange that they didn't know that. why they yeah, did that. It was just for like yeah. I mean, I was, a line too. not even like, it was just like a couple of yeah. words.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking like on the one hand, like, of course, they're filming her. Of course, they have that footage. So why not like splice it in? But on the other hand, it made me think like, oh, are we in D.C. now? And then we went back and I was like, oh, I guess not. <laughs> so uh, the TV was working on me. Um, Casey is worried Jill is torturing Chuck, but Sarah says Fulcrum doesn't know Chuck is the intersect, and they don't know that Jill has been made, so I remember, uh, in our first season, you, uh, yelled at me for using the phrase, being made, um, but here it is.
0: Because you're in the mafia?
1: Yeah. Uh, but, uh, apparently Sarah is too, because she uses the phrase. She got made. Cut to Chuck and Jill kissing in a hotel room. Chuck's phone rings, despite the fact that Sarah just said his phone was switched off, this, I remember this bothering me the first time I watched it, too. Um, but his phone rings. He doesn't answer it, but he has a ton of texts and calls and voicemails. Uh, Jill's phone buzzes, and Chuck picks it up to give it to her. He flashes on the text she got and realizes she's a fulcrum agent, and he says, this can't be happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very suspiciously, he says he's going to go get them some coffee, and he runs out of the hotel room. As he's sprinting shoeless down the walkway, Casey grabs him and pulls him into a cabana. Casey and Sarah are both there in masseuse uniforms chuck starts to tell them about jill and they say they already know casey tells chuck jill's code name and he flashes again and realizes that she's a spy
0: sandstorm
1: sandstorm that's her name that was the name do you remember the warrior cats books i do not uh, there were books that were called warriors and it was about cats that lived in the woods and they had like a little society and one of them was named sandstorm Ooh, i should
0: go check that out um, now
1: yeah, that's, sure? that's
0: those books are read for 26 year old men right
1: I have them, well, maybe um, I have them here, so if you want me to mail them to you. <laughs> yeah, please. I brought them with me in the move.
0: Oh, that's good for you. Um, I like uh, yeah. going back to Chuck. I appreciate that they kind of are diving right into it and like telling Chuck at the beginning of the episode, because I was expecting based on the last episode in the cliffhanger that the following episode would be Chuck and Jill on the road and Sarah and Casey mm-hmm. trying to catch up to him and try to let him mm-hmm. know Um but I kind of like, I mean, that could have been interesting probably, but I like that they just like right from the beginning, he knows that she's fulcrum yeah. and establishing that tension. I wrote
1: down, um, actually, this is a really good time to bring it up because this was my next note, was that I thought, and I mean, I guess this could happen because I don't really remember what else happens in the season. This could happen at some point. But I thought it was going to happen that over the course of their trip, Joe was going to tell him some like sob story. And then Chuck was going to believe her. And when Sarah brought up that she was a Fulcrum agent, Chuck was going to have to like not trust Sarah. He was going to be like, you're just saying this because you're jealous. And I thought there was going to be a whole thing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really glad that that didn't happen because I didn't want to watch that. <laughs> I also really like, like, we we see Chuck flash a lot over the course of the show. But I like this was one of the first times where he kind of drove home that like, he saw a flash that he didn't want to see and he was like rejecting mm. it. And I thought it was some really good face acting and some really good writing. Like I just liked seeing that it wasn't just like information that he gets that's useful. It was like, this was a horrifying thing for him to learn. And he's really upset about mm. it. And he's like, no, I don't want to flash. I don't want to know. So I thought that was, yeah. Um, since Fulcrum doesn't know Chuck is the intersect, Casey and Sarah tell Chuck to go back to Jill while they stand by in case things go south. Casey says, "Fulcrum pulled one over on us. Let's return the favor. We get some really intense orchestral music as Jill and Chuck are drinking coffee together. It, there's kind of like a, like a choir in the background going like, oh, oh, oh. Um, and that transitions right into the cake theme song, so that was fun. <laughs> Back in LA, Chuck and Jill make plans to go out that night. Once Jill leaves, Casey calls Chuck into his apartment. Chuck talks to Casey and Sarah about how he thought Joe was normal. He sells this really well, and he has the crisis that he has pretty often in the past couple seasons of wanting a normal life and being really sad when something that initially seemed normal and that could seemed like it could lead to like a future of non-spy stuff turned out to actually be spy-related. Beckman tells Chuck that Joe must have been taken on by Fulcrum while they were at Stanford, which makes total sense because we know that spies were recruited mm-hmm. there. Um she says that Fulcrum uses leadership seminars to find potential agents, which I have a lot of questions about this because why would she know that about a secret organization? Like they didn't even know what fulcrum was.
0: She could have over the course of time gathered intel about it. Maybe I, she's I learning mean, I guess more about so, it. But I
1: was just wondering like, should it be shouldn't it have been like the CIA uses leadership seminars? But then I was thinking, like, the CIA uses that symbolism course that you hate, so maybe they don't use... Maybe if Fulcrum has its head on straight, they should use leadership instead of (laughs) art and symbolism or whatever. That's
0: why all the competent, strong agents are Fulcrum agents.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. Beckman asks Chuck to use his relationship with Jill to try to infiltrate Fulcrum. (laughs) Sarah says Chuck isn't ready for that, but Chuck agrees to do it. Um, He says he's doing it as revenge for the times that Jill has betrayed him, which I really didn't like. I completely understood and liked him doing it, but like doing it as revenge. I was like, come on, Chuck, like whatever. in the next scene we see Ellie and it's so nice to see her. <laughs> I forgot how much I missed her. Oh my God.
0: What have you been up to Ellie?
1: I know. I wanted to ask her that. Uh, but what she's up to is cleaning a lot and she's very stressed because Devin's parents are coming to visit for Thanksgiving um apparently it is Thanksgiving. And <laughs> they are uh Devin's parents are very judgmental, so Ellie is kind of freaking out and she's doing a bunch of test turkeys, she's cleaning a lot, she won't let anyone sit down because the furniture is perfect, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Morgan shows up sneaking through Chuck's window, and apparently uh his plot line this uh episode and this season and whatever, apparently he really likes turkey. So he has forsaken his favorite number two side dish and he just loves the turkey now.
0: All about that Turk.
1: We have a scene where Ellie is removing one of her test turkeys from the oven and her hair is blowing and French music is playing and the turkey and Ellie are both filmed as really sexy uh, and Morgan walks slowly towards the kitchen barely containing his mouthful of drool, I'm sure. Ellie feeds him a piece of turkey and uh, then takes a bite of it herself. She thinks that the turkey is too dry and she throws it away. Morgan is horrified by this, and I absolutely agree with him because that's a a horrible waste. Mm. It's a whole turkey.
0: I know, yeah. It was done for comedic effect, but it was was definitely uh, hard to watch. Yeah,
1: so I'm on Morgan's side mm -hmm. there, uh, but I am on Ellie's side when she uninvites Morgan to Thanksgiving. (laughs) I think he should have already been uninvited because of the fiasco last year. That was a disaster. But especially, like, Ellie has in-laws coming. Like, why would Morgan be there? Well, I
0: have this whole theory that there's, like, this... So Morgan and Ellie have this pseudo-sexual relationship that's rooted in Thanksgiving foods. And I think it's because Ellie doesn't feel deep down like Devin is giving her the appreciation that she's seeking mm, by preparing okay. thanksgiving dinner and working hard okay. but morgan really yeah. appreciates it so she yes. finds she instead finds the satisfaction through morgan and they have this weird kind of give and take of celebrating thanksgiving and it's satisfying for both of them on a, a deep carnal level
1: i can buy that i feel like they are trying to backpedal on the Morgan Ellie thing mm-hmm. now i feel like i i I mean, it's been a little while since I watched the first couple episodes of this season, but I feel like they've maybe had references to it that it was happening in the past, but it's definitely less like that Morgan is like, oh, I'm in love with Ellie now. Mm. Um, And I liked about this scene that like, although like Ellie's hair was blowing and everything, it was definitely like the focus was on the turkey and the focus was on like their relationship about dinner and stuff more so than like Morgan wanting to sleep with Ellie. So I did like Mm. that. I like that we don't have to deal with that anymore. I don't blame her at all, though, for uninviting him. Even if he's not being exactly creepy, like, I think it's totally fair if you're having a family Thanksgiving, like, your brother's weird best friend, like, he can find something else to do.
0: <laughs> and that he does.
1: Uh, we, that he does, because we cut to the buy more and Morgan is talking to Chuck about his fears of a lonely Thanksgiving. Big Mike overhears this, and he informs Morgan that Jeff and Lester also don't have plans. They ask Big Mike if he's inviting them to dinner, and he says, God, no. <laughs> He asks them instead to stand guard at the store overnight to make sure no one steals the Black Friday merchandise. So just like last year, uh, when he used the same poorly trained employees to do something they'd never done before, they have to to act as uh, security guards. Despite the... We find out later that Big Mike has a very sophisticated security system that sends alerts to his cell phone. So I don't know why he even needed, like... I don't know. I feel like these people are going to get into more trouble than... uh, than they would if he just left the store empty. Yeah, we also
0: find that Jeff and uh, Lester have done this for years. Yeah. Which...
1: And (laughs) Lester doesn't know what turkey is. Like, he's like... So, like, he he asks later, like, he's like, so the turkey volunteers to be killed? Like, he doesn't understand the concept of turkey so i don't know i think
0: they could have made it interesting if they like if big mike says it's time and a half or it's double time working on thanksgiving Mm. during the day because that would Mm. have been like a real incentive and i could see them all wanting to do that if they don't have plans but Yeah. yeah it was just like what you're gonna force these people don't you have yeah i don't know
1: leaving that plant line behind for a couple minutes uh jill calls chuck and asks him to ditch his security detail and come to a surprise location with her that night Chuck is a little bit alarmed by this and he asks Sarah for advice and Sarah says that Jill is going to try to test him to make sure he's under her spell Mm. Sarah says imagine I'm Jill and the moment is romantic and we are reminded because we may have forgotten that Sarah and Chuck also have sexual tension (laughs) it's uh, kind of like that scene in John Tucker Must Die and Sarah is teaching Chuck how to kiss but a kid doesn't show up and say "Mm, kiss her again so you know favorite movie You don't seem to be reacting to that, but that's a really good scene in a really good movie. Chuck is a little dazed by almost kissing Sarah. As he leaves, we see that Sarah is not as unaffected as she might have appeared. Mm. Casey says that Jill bought concert tickets recently on her credit card, hopefully for a Five for Fighting concert. Hey, yo. Casey, Casey and Sarah plan to wait for Chuck at the music center. In reality, Jill's surprise is another carnival. So I, I, uh, I know you haven't seen Shazam yet, but there is a scene in it that takes place at a carnival, both in a flashback uh, and in the like current times. Mm. So uh, this is one of Zachary Levi's uh, first carnival scenes, but apparently uh, they there's something that he does. He
0: really excels at them.
1: Yeah, and they just bring they bring something out of yeah. it, out of him. Um. Jill brings Chuck up in a Ferris wheel, and this time she's bribed the ride operator. They share a pretty intense kiss, uh, despite the fact that Chuck knows that she has betrayed him. Uh, Then Jill says, I'm sorry, and she points a gun at him. Mm. She tells him that Fulcrum wants to eliminate him, but she doesn't (laughs) want to kill him.
0: Right, so Jill is pointing her gun at Chuck. Chuck freaks out. Jill explains that she works for Fulcrum and that they are looking to eliminate Chuck jill has complicated feelings about this because she's quote not a killer and quote this is not what she does uh chuck continues begging jill not to shoot him jill relents and explains that there is a fulcrum agent watching her who expects to see jill bring chuck to a car in the parking lot
1: does he have a name
0: he does have a name his name is leader
1: wow that, uh, that keeps it simple yes it does we know what his job is yes
0: he's the leader and his name is leader um just wanted to take a moment ask your thoughts aaron uh what do you think about ferris wheels
1: like, Do I like Yeah, them?
0: thoughts, concerns, questions.
1: I like Ferris wheels. I think that I like the idea of a Ferris wheel more than being on a Ferris wheel. We actually had a conversation about this this weekend with a couple of my friends that the Ferris wheel, it's very exciting to get to the top but then once you get to the top and you're coming back down, you've already seen all the views and you just kind of want to get there but it's like stopping because everybody else has to get to the top and have a time okay. to look around. Yeah. Um, I do like them but I think that when I see a Ferris wheel, I'm really excited to get up there. And then when I'm actually on it, it's less exciting. Uh, like so many things in life. <laughs> but I did ride up when we talked in the last episode about how I had just gotten back from London. I did go up in the London Eye, which uh, is, a, is a Ferris wheel for those of you that don't know. And you get to see all of London and Big Ben and whatnot. Uh, and it was cool. It's sponsored by Coca-Cola. So in line, you can get Coca-Cola products. Mm. It's across the. It's kind of on like a like a pseudo boardwalk kind of thing. So there's like a uh, a thing of the London Dungeons. That's kind of like a boardwalk haunted house. And there's also something across from the London Eye called Shrek's Adventure. Fun fact for you: <laughs> it's Shrek's Adventure.
0: Like the Shrek.
1: Yeah, like the okay. Shrek. It's a, a DreamWorks thing, and they have they had some How to Train Your Dragon merch, which was a little bit confusing, although it is the same company that is not uh, a part of Shrek. Mm-hmm. Maybe that will be a crossover we get one day. I would love that. Maybe Toothless is the son of Donkey and the Dragon.
0: Oh, my God. I... I- Wish I didn't ask you for your thoughts on Ferris
1: wheels. (laughs) What are your thoughts on Ferris wheels? It doesn't matter.
0: Uh, Sarah and Casey are speeding (laughs) towards the music center where the concert is being held allegedly when they realize that Chuck's GPS signal is not coming from the music center. They pull a U-turn and head towards the carnival. Uh,
1: This was, I don't want to interrupt you, but like having lived in LA, um, I was very worried about them having to get from one location to another location quickly. I really felt the tension here. Like, oh, they're not going to yeah. do
0: that. They should just go home. Yeah. Chuck's dead. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sarah and Casey. The, yeah, they're speeding towards the carnival. Jill brings Chuck to the the car at gunpoint, so they're back on the ground. Uh, as they're walking through the carnival, Jill sees the other Fulcrum agent, who, like we mentioned, is code name Leader. Uh, he's a bald man with a mustache, wearing a leather jacket. Really creative character design, folks. Uh, <laughs> he informs Jill that Sarah and Casey are closing in. He knows that somehow. Um, so jill needs to eliminate chuck now jill refuses to pull the trigger so leader reaches for his gun but jill points her gun at him as this is going on chuck runs away into the carnival leader tells jill that he's uh she's making a mistake and punches jill in the face to chase after (laughs) chuck
1: that was that was very unexpected.
0: <laughs> as Chuck is,
1: I was very startled. As Chuck
0: is running, looking for somewhere to hide, he notices a broken uh, gravitron ride, which in this case is one of those rides that you may have encountered—one of those spinning rides where, uh, is it centrifugal force pushes you against a wall? Is that the I, right kind I of force? So,
1: um, I have never ridden one. I wrote in my notes right now. This is my nightmare, and literally, I do have nightmares about uh, the scene that follows. So I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, whatever whatever force pushes you against the wall and uh, you, you're you in there and it spins really fast.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it keeps you. So it may, it may, some of them go vertical and you're spinning. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chuck goes into it. It says it's broken, but he leaps into it. He thinks that he's safe because he's hiding. But Leader pops up holding his gun. Uh, Leader is all, come with me, Chuck. And Chuck is all, no way, Jose. So Chuck hits the activate button inside the Gravitron. That's right. The button to start the ride is inside the ride. So that means that someone you like one of the passengers has to be ready to start (laughs) and stop the ride. They have to take
1: or the uh, ride operator just rides it (laughs) all night.
0: (laughs) Somehow the ride starts spinning and Chuck and leader are thrown up against the walls. Uh, Leader makes to peel himself off of the wall and he starts crawling along the wall towards Chuck because he's he's being forced against the wall. Chuck is trying to crawl away from him. I like the idea of the scene but something feels off. I don't know, did it something about the physics of it just seemed like it, I could clearly tell that they were not spinning. There was something yeah. about it that just I was like this is kind of weird looking.
1: I think uh somebody one of the reviews I read talked about how this was the first use of a gravitron gravitron in a action sequence. Mm-hmm. I think it was bold of them to do it. I think it was kind of a good use like if they already knew they wanted to set it at a carnival, I thought it was kind of like cool to like see chuck in the various like carnival rides Mm -hmm. uh but i don't like yeah i think that the idea was the much much like riding a ferris wheel the idea of this was cool but then when it was actually happening i was like this is kind of not as interesting to watch as i would have thought Mm
0: -hmm. yeah we can go back to that in a little bit um so the ride eventually stops causing chuck to fall on top of leader uh knocking leader unconscious chuck hobbles out of the gravitron and runs away. By this point, Casey and Sarah have arrived at the carnival just in time for Chuck to escape into the Hall of Mirrors and reflect Ooh. on his, well, reflection. Jill also yeah. enters the Hall of Mirrors. Do you have any thoughts on the Hall of Mirrors, Aaron?
1: Have you ever been in the Hall of Mirrors? I have. Okay. I had this, like, I always thought, I mean, because you see Hall of Mirrors a lot in carnivals. You see tunnels of love. And I, like... I always thought that I was going to encounter those more, and I don't know (laughs) if they don't exist, or if I've just never seen them, or if they're kind of like an old time thing that I just haven't been to. But my my answer here is I've never been in a Hall of Mirrors.
0: Okay, yeah, that's um, they have one at Canterbury Lake Park.
1: Oh, okay, I I haven't been there. I should have gone there. I feel like I've never been there, there, but I didn't. No,
0: I have failed you as a friend from New Hampshire. I
1: was closer. I was closer to Six Flags New England growing up. (sighs) I have been to Storyland. Okay,
0: nice. That's why that's why we can hang. That's good. Yeah. So as they gaze at their repeating reflections in the Hall of Mirrors, Jill and Chuck talk about how Jill got involved with the CIA and Fulcrum. Uh, Surprising no one like Beckman suggested she was recorded, recruited at Stanford. Um, I feel like if I in real life, if I worked for Stanford's Department of Community Relations (laughs) or admissions, I would probably contact the producers of Chuck and say, hey, stop implying that all of our colleges. (laughs) (laughs) The only purpose of our college is to recruit evil government agents. It's really making the college look bad. Yeah, I wonder if they
1: had to write to Stanford and be like, we want to do this with our show. Is that okay?" Or if they could just do it. Stanford's
0: like, how do you know about our CIA operations?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, maybe that's a thing. Maybe we just don't know that it's a thing. But Stanford was like, yeah, let them just just put it in there because people got to (laughs) know.
0: They'll just hide in plain sight if they, you know, you put it in the show. No one will think it's real. Exactly. Anyhow, Jill explains that she thought that it seemed like it was a good opportunity at the time. She didn't realize what she was getting into. it wasn't until she was in too deep that she realized that uh, it was too late to get out of it, uh, which is how I feel about this podcast. Kidding. (laughs) Jill disappears, but Leader shows up in the Hall of Mirrors with his gun drawn again. So Chuck freaks out and starts running into the mirrors just as Leader is about to shoot Chuck. The mirror behind Leader explodes, revealing Jill, (laughs) who shot Leader through the glass. As Chuck and Jill escape the Hall of Mirrors, Sarah and Casey tackle Jill and put her in handcuffs. And now the following day, uh, we uh, start our morning off at the Buy More with Morgan, Big Mike, Jeff and Lester. I guess this is Thanksgiving. Morgan points out that having him, Jeff and Lester guarding the store seems kind of like overkill, which I agree because the store has security cameras. The store has an alarm system. The store is locked. Um, Also, why wouldn't they have loss prevention associates working on this? Not three sales associates. I think it's dumb, but Big Mike makes a speech about how the first store that he worked at Husky Lads Big and Tall was
1: for the more than average man was
0: robbed on Thanksgiving 1988. And he tells a sad story about Husky Lads throughout the Burbank area went without britches for Christmas.
1: I really thought that was very funny.
0: It was. I felt bad for all those Husky Lads out there i know big mike also explains that his wife aka lady big mike is dealing with the family and he's okay. gonna go off Were fishing you
1: shocked? did you know he was married because like what about all his dalliances with like uh, harry tang's wife and like what <laughs> he's married i'm very upset by this he has a family
0: big mike is a, a very morally complex character
1: why why isn't Emmett upset about this
0: <laughs> is Emmett in this episode
1: uh, I think they reference him, but I don't think he I did. not I don't think I saw I must him
0: taking time off for the holiday. Good yeah. for him.
1: He went to go see his uh, his lady.
0: So Big Mike uh, locks them all in the store, which like what yep. do they think? He, what, do they, what does he think they're going to do? But I don't know. Over at Castle, Sarah and Casey interrogate Jill as she's hooked up to a lie detector. Uh, they ask. It's the
1: most uh, it's the simplest lie detector in the world. You don't have to read like the little lines. It just says true or false. Yeah positive negative
0: and they ask her mainly basic questions her name her alma mater her college major whether or not she's part of fulcrum then they ask her the location of leader jill reveals that she knows where leader is hiding which is in a mobile medical unit that is in a office building in downtown la sarah asks her if it is a trap and jill says no and then the lie detector confirms that this is true it's not a trap uh if jill is a cia agent perhaps she was trained on how to full a lie detector test though so we can't be Can't be positive that she's telling the truth. Sarah apparently agrees with me because outside of the interrogation room, Sarah informs Chuck that although he may want to believe that Jill is the same person he went to college with, they cannot really trust Jill. Back at the Bymore, Morgan and Lester are about to eat uh, frozen turkey dinners, the saddest frozen turkey dinners I've ever seen, uh, in the little plastic trays with plastic on the top. Uh, As this is happening, Jeff partakes in his Thanksgiving tradition of setting a uh, tripwire inside the store. Morgan complains that they are missing out on so much that Thanksgiving has to offer, but Lester has no idea what he's talking about since he has had too many of these Buy More Thanksgivings. Morgan proposes a plan to sneak out of the Buy More and retrieve an actual Thanksgiving turkey. Jeff, for once not being a total useless idiot, somehow manages to hotwire and disable the alarm system for the Buy More, allowing Morgan to squeeze out the doors and escape. And he promises to return for Jeff and Lester, who are still trapped in the Buy More. As Jeff walks away from the alarm panel, he manages to trip on his own tripwire, which is also part of his Thanksgiving tradition, uh, and triggers the alarm. This sends an emergency notification to Big Mike's cell phone, which Big Mike receives as he's nearing his fishing spot in the middle of the woods. Big Mike drops everything and starts to run back to the buy more. As you said, why does he have people inside the store if he's just going to run back anyways when he gets the emergency notification?
1: I have no idea, but I loved it.
0: (laughs) He, He was running pretty fast.
1: I loved seeing him in his fishing gear. I just got so much joy out of this.
0: <laughs> as this is happening, Ellie and Awesome receive a, their own emergency notice of sorts as well. It turns out that Devin's parents call him to let him know that they can't make it for Thanksgiving dinner.
1: This is also how I feel when plans get canceled. <laughs>
0: uh, this is the, uh, the first instance of the Awesomes being canceled, soon to be followed by the, uh, the Hulu show, The Awesomes Being Canceled not being renewed for a, a fourth season.
1: <laughs> Was that the, uh, that's the superhero yeah. show? Okay. I never saw that. It's like Seth Meyers as well. Yeah.
0: I, uh, during my okay. sabbatical, I watched all of that as well.
1: Uh, Oh, is it good? Yes.
0: Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's pleasant. Right, cool. Um, Great. at this point, Ellie is relieved, excited, even not about the awesomes being canceled, but about her in-laws not coming or soon to be in-laws. Uh, however, I think if I were Ellie, I would be livid because she did all this work for these people, cooking and cleaning for like multiple days and then all of a sudden the day of they cancel like why i would lose my shit
1: yeah well i was i was not sure which way they were gonna play it because i thought either way would have been fine but i mean i'm i'm happy that i think she's just so relieved that they're not actually coming that she doesn't have to worry about it anymore that like
0: you know (sighs) i guess so but it sounds like it's like the ultimate screw you of like you had to do all the work and go through all the mental anxiety of having these people and then doesn't happen anyhow Ellie and Awesome, unlike me, are positive about the situation, and Awesome says that he looks forward to a typical Thanksgiving with Chuck and Morgan, to which Ellie admits that she uninvited Morgan. How could she do that?
1: How could she do Uh, that? I feel like she doesn't need to apologize. No, it's fine.
0: At the same time, they hear something rummaging through their trash and assume it is an animal, but no. Instead, it is the human raccoon himself, Morgan, who is digging through their trash looking for it.
1: And he's in there. He's in there. He's like in there He's full raccoon. Only his legs are sticking out. Full
0: raccooning right now.
1: Or coyote, because we have coyotes here in LA that rummage through the trash. Interesting,
0: interesting. But he's digging for that whole turkey that Ellie threw away uh, the day before, which was yeah, he was like, "Hey, I think it's good. You just put it in a." I don't know why he
1: didn't take it like sooner. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like he didn't need to wait a day to come back and get it, but you know, whatever. Mm -hmm.
0: Seeing this uh, this moment of desperation, Ellie feels bad for Morgan and hugs him and apologizes for uninviting him to Thanksgiving. Morgan understands that she's been stressed out and that. Uh, he too has been stressed with the work and the whole Chuck and Jill thing. Oops. Ellie is surprised to hear about the Chuck and Jill thing. Cause she did not know about that and demands that Morgan tell her, which he agrees to as long as he can invite Jeff and Lester over for Thanksgiving dinner. Back at castle, Casey and Sarah are nowhere to be found leaving Chuck alone with Jill,
1: which is ridiculous. And they should have known better.
0: <laughs> Jill is still strapped to the interrogation chair. So Chuck asks Jill, if he can ask her some more questions while she's hooked up to the lie detector. Um, So Chuck is all like offended that Jill has been lying to him this whole time, even though the first episode that Jill was in, Chuck lied to her constantly for the whole episode. And now Chuck (laughs) is all indignant and like, well, I need to get to the truth. I need to be now that you're attached to a lie detector. I need to get the information from you. Like, Why don't you hook up to a, a lie detector? You were lying to her the whole time.
1: See, this is a very I feel like we have a role reversal here because that's a very like I feel like I usually say that kind of thing. But I was like I was on board with this, like not. Not that I think that like Chuck deserves I I don't know, but I thought this was kind of a nice moment from him. I feel like it was understandable that like he just wants something in his life to be real. And he's just like really upset by thinking that like their whole relationship was a lie. Mm -hmm. I don't I didn't think the lie detector was necessary. I thought it was more of a plot device, but I like this conversation. Mm -hmm.
0: The conversation, which goes as followed. Uh, Chuck asked back at Stanford when we were dating. Was that for real? Jill says, yes, lie detector is true. He says, you really liked me. There were real emotions. She says, yes. Once again, true. Did you love Bryce, too? She says, no. Lie detector says that that is true. And then he asks, did you really sleep with Bryce? And she says, no. And we find that that is true. Um, as this is happening.
1: Wow. The whole uh, crux of the show was a lie. As this is- Someone didn't sleep with Bryce. Amazing. What restraint Jill showed? <laughs>
0: As this is happening, Casey and Sarah and a SWAT team break into the makeshift operating room where the Fulcrum Doctors are working to revive Leader after he was...
1: uh, Leader's level of injury is up. It's pretty fast and loose throughout the episode, (laughs) I would say.
0: Sometimes he's fine. Sometimes he can't move. Sometimes he's being operated on. He is
1: wearing a sling in a later scene, which he takes off and then picks up two guns and proceeds (laughs) to, like, hostage negotiate. And I'm sure like CIA training, like you learn pain tolerance and everything. But like he was under anesthetic, like having surgery and then then he's fine.
0: So back at Castle, Chuck continues to ask Jill questions specifically why she lied to him about being with Bryce. She says that it was because her fulcrum advisor told her that she had to break up with Chuck. I mean, good for fulcrum for having like an advisory program at college. I think that's oh. really progressive. And I think will help the know, fulcrum really students. Nice. Yeah, um, just to have someone like if you want to talk to about like how you're feeling about Fulcrum, how you like questions or concerns you have about it being a a turncoat government agent, um, being in this rogue cell inside the CIA. Just someone to help yeah, you work really, through that it. That is really your nice. Advocate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyhow, this person told her that it would make sense for her to break up with Chuck. And she figured that saying she hooked up with his frenemy, Bryce, would be the easiest way to do that. Jill continues saying that she's never wanted to hurt Chuck um, as he was her first love. And wow. I'm sensing that Chuck is completely vulnerable. Uh Oh, just like Sarah was telling at the beginning of the episode. Uh-oh. She's going to, yep. Jill's going to try to strip down his defenses. Um, yep. Chuck asks if Jill wants to try to give it another shot once all the spy stuff is over. And Jill asks him to free her from the interrogation chair first. Chuck does this and Jill stands up and says, yes, she does want to give it another shot. And they kiss. So for the first time, Chuck is completely absorbed in a kiss with Jill. So he doesn't see that <laughs> the lie detector, which is still hooked up to is showing negative. Jill is lying. Ah! A moment later, Sarah calls Chuck to let him know that they have leader and are bringing him back to castle. Chuck tells Sarah that this is great, and we pan over to see Jill holding Chuck up at gunpoint, saying that she's sorry.
1: <gasps> uh, when Sarah and Casey get back, Jill pulls guns on them too. She has she has two guns, one in each hand. She points them at them. Uh, she's not pointing one at Chuck, but I guess Chuck has just been like so down and everything. He's just at the computer. He's... <laughs> apologizing profusely um this is the scene where leader shows up he takes off his sling that he was wearing and picks up casey and sarah's discarded guns uh apparently fine to lift them and point them and everything he and jill tell casey and sarah to take them to the holding cell where they lock casey and sarah in jill comes back and chuck asks how she could do this she says
0: it's complicated it's
1: complicated i guess this woman really did know bryce pretty well after all <laughs> Uh, Jill tells Chuck to just do what Leader says. Leader asks Chuck to show him the access screen for the Joint Intelligence Database, or he'll kill Sarah. So Chuck is forced to do this. Uh, Jill puts him in a holding cell, too. And on his way in, he grabs the uh, castle manual that he referenced earlier in the episode Mm. that I don't think we talked about. Oh, no. It's a manual reference. Yeah, it's
0: my bad. Chuck read the entire castle manual, which apparently there's an instruction manual for all things castle and how all the technology works inside of it. And he was bored, so he read all of it, because he's smart.
1: Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, yeah. Uh, He figures out that uh, Jill and Leader are looking for Bryce because they believe he's the Intersect, so when Casey says, what are you doing with that manual? It's top secret. Chuck says, yeah, so am I, because he does not want them to find out who he is. Mm -hmm. Chuck uses the manual, or his knowledge of it, to lock Leader and Jill out of the computer and lock him, Sarah, and Casey in their bulletproof cells. Uh, when Jill and Leader show up, he says, Checkmate, when he should have said, Checkmate. Mm.
0: Check. Missed opportunity right there.
1: Missed opportunity. Uh, everything seems good until Leader puts a bomb on Sarah and Casey's cell. He says he'll blow it up if Chuck doesn't open the doors. Apparently, all castle rooms are equipped with these kind of panels, so you can like do things, uh, like do security things from any room in castle, including these cells. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good idea, but uh, it helps in this situation yeah. not wanting his friends to be blown up chuck unlocks his door and goes with jill and leader they apparently uh don't need the computer anymore <laughs> and they're just going to leave i don't know why uh but once they're gone casey and sarah get a message on their control panel that chuck has also unlocked their door and he will be taking uh jill and leader to the buy mm-hmm. in the buy more leader trips over jeff's tripwire in the ensuing commotion casey and sarah rush in to stop chuck from getting shot jill runs and sarah chases her chuck yells sarah don't hurt her
0: i enjoyed this i feel like we haven't had like a buy more action showdown in a while that's
1: true yeah uh as sarah is searching the break room for jill we see jill come up behind her with a gun and plan to take the shot then chuck comes up behind her he says he can help her if she comes with him so she puts down her gun and agrees Meanwhile, Casey and Leader are fighting, and as as that happens, uh, Big Mike runs in and body slams Leader into a TV (laughs) display. He uh, probably ruins the equipment that he was trying so hard to protect, but I did love this. Yes. He says, did Grimes put you in charge? And Casey says, yeah. So I love, and also some of the reviewers I read love, that uh, the B-plot of the Bymore has intersected with the A-plot of this uh, this tense, mm-hmm. uh, chase.
0: Yeah. I think that's always, uh, that's always good when that happens with the buy more action yes. sequence that they, they cross paths.
1: Yes, absolutely agree. Uh, so rounding out this, uh, this plot line, Chuck gives Jill one of the matrixes as a getaway car. I mean, it's pretty, uh, conspicuous, but, uh, she's, she's going to have that, uh, she asks him to come with her. He says he can't, and then he puts the car into detention mode. So she's locked in. This is one of
0: the nerd herd mobiles
1: yes yeah uh chuck says he was going to let her go but when she was about to kill sarah she made that decision for him sarah overhears this there's some more excessively dramatic music uh and then then chuck leaves i don't know where he where he goes it's another i mean i i have to ask the question again where is where does chuck go wonder what chuck Uh, is doing right now (laughs) yeah he just like walks away leaving jill in the car um I don't think he knew that, like, Sarah had come out, so I don't know. Maybe he was, like, going to be like, hey, I locked your in a car, but, like, I don't know. Um, he just walks away, and it's, like, a cool shot, but I don't know where he's going. <laughs> I feel like he should have stayed with her. In the final scene, Sarah and Chuck meet up outside Chuck's apartment for uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Sarah looks so... I wrote 2000s good. She looks really good but specifically in the 2000s uh she's got a real 2000s look going on i guess was my point with her uh, denim skirt um, they, yeah <laughs> it was a skirt. uh they have i well it's hard to okay. tell um from the outside but uh chuck uh talks about how he's sorry about the mistakes that he made and that he's too trusting that's another theme and uh another prominent theme is sarah saying what makes you special is that you're not like every other spy so they have kind of a nice moment um Jill is nowhere to be found. I assume that she will not be in the next couple episodes, but we will find out. But uh, we are back on the Chuck and Sarah train. Choo-choo! Rah Rah Riot is playing, which I was pretty excited about. Um, We move inside to the Thanksgiving meal where Morgan and Ellie are talking about Jill. Their conversation about Chuck and Jill's relationship is not as fraught or like Ellie is not freaking out as much as I thought she would be uh, for, for the information that Morgan has shared. But they do want uh, Chuck and Sarah's relationship to flourish, and Chuck and Jill's relationship to go away. They say it will be a Thanksgiving miracle if uh, Chuck and Sarah show up together. Although I don't really think it—I don't really know that that's true. Um, <laughs> but the door opens, and uh, Chuck and Sarah walk in. Um, they have—they uh, all sit down at the dinner table. Jeff and Lester are there, which Chuck is alarmed about, but he—he uh, he accepts it, and it actually. Seems like a really nice dinner that they're all having. It might just be the music playing and everything, but I feel like it it just looks nice. Like, Devin puts the turkey down. Like, everybody seems really happy. Nobody's doing anything weird. Um, Ellie and Chuck have a moment together where Chuck says that Stanford, Bryce, and Jill is a story from his past, and his new story is Ellie, Sarah, and these friggin' yahoos. (laughs) That's what I say whenever I open Safari and it defaults to Yahoo. I'm like, ah, friggin' yahoo. We, uh, we are reminded again that Lester doesn't seem to know how turkey works. He asks a lot of questions about what turkey is um, and eating turkey. And then the episode ends. It fades out with them all enjoying a meal together around the Thanksgiving table. It was a pretty nice moment.
0: Yeah. I don't know about you, but like this episode tricked me into thinking that it was actually like almost Thanksgiving. I got really excited for oh. Thanksgiving. I was like, yes, Thanksgiving's <laughs> right around the corner. I was like, wait a second. And just I realized while I was thinking about this that I potentially watched this episode the day that is literally the farthest point away from Thanksgiving. because oh. <laughs> I watched it in late May. So that's exactly mm. six months after Thanksgiving and before Thanksgiving. Yep. I yep. could not be more removed from Thanksgiving watching this particular <laughs> episode.
1: I think it's going to be crazy when we watch the next couple episodes and there's Christmas. I know.
0: How are we going to be able to get into the Christmas spirit? I don't know if I can I do it. Are I you know. going to be able to help me find just, the Christmas spirit?
1: Maybe. Well, I'll work on that.
0: Um, but that was the uh, Chuck versus the Gravitron Season yep. 2, episode 8, the Thanksgiving episode. Not, They didn't do much with Black Friday this time around.
1: No, they, they just, really didn't. Like, the only reference was just that like they had Black Friday merch or something. Yeah. Or not merch. I guess merch. Yeah, yeah makes sense. Merch, merch is short for merchandise. Some, some little facts from our friends at Wikipedia is that the text that uh, Jill gets references Uncle Tobias and that's a character from Arrested Development, which uh, starred Tony Hale, who uh, plays Emmett, who is not in this episode, but... Uh, that that's a reference. To oh, that's interesting. That fun. yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't pick up on that. I was just like, Oh, what a weird name. But now that I read that fact, I'm like, Oh, was course. that,
0: did, do you know if that's like an actual intentional Easter egg or was that just something that
1: I'm sure it's intentional? Uh,
0: oh, wow.
1: <laughs> I mean, why? Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure. I feel like they're, they're pretty smart writers. Yeah,
0: I guess so. Why do people keep referencing um, that character in everything? Like, cause isn't, what? Because Tobias in Arrested Development is David Cross's character. Mm. And they also reference him in Infinity War. Because he's in the collector's, one of the collectors' cages. Mm. Why do people keep and then I was at this this office the other day and they had the their conference rooms were named after different doctors. And the one of the conference rooms that was across the hall from me was called Dr. Tobias Funke. <laughs>
1: okay well he's got so
0: many I guess, <laughs> so many weird
1: maybe that's your that's your like what is what is a jim carrey movie where he's like obsessed with a number you know oh uh 27 yeah so that's that's yours but yours is uncle so that makes
0: sense honestly you know i'd yeah. yeah. be surprised <laughs> sorry what else do you have
1: um i have a goof where it says uh i can, i have no way of confirming this you could probably confirm this if your memory was better but i don't think you'll know Um, During the first television broadcast of this episode, Morgan could be heard calling Ellie Sarah as she is throwing away test turkey number one. But this was edited out a future broadcast. Really? So I don't know. I don't know why anyone missed that. I don't know if it was because... We have we have two options here that he was calling her her real name which is Sarah Lancaster right. or he like mixed up Ellie and Sarah because those are two female characters on the show. I do that a lot in my notes so I don't blame yeah, him. Yeah, it's very confusing.
0: I would yeah. I also if I think if a character said that I don't think I would even pick up on it honestly. Yeah. I would just be so yeah. cuz I'm just so confused. Yeah. Interesting.
1: So that's that's all my uh, from our from our good friends at Wikipedia. Not
0: only like so many people were confused by it, like so you have Joshua Gomez who says it and then you have the director, mm-hmm. whoever who doesn't like make a note of it or like a PA yeah. doesn't say like that the was editor. a goof. Yeah. And then the editor yeah. actually goes through yeah. and then like, wow, that makes yeah. me feel better. I feel like we're we're not cool. as big of idiots as we think we are.
1: Yeah, great. OK, Um,
0: I would like to do a little uh, segment of It's a Sign. Okay. There was a sign that I saw this time. It's in the hallway of the buy more going to the break room okay. and it mm-hmm. says through these halls walk the smartest employees in the world.
1: I like that a lot. Think like, that's some irony there.
0: <laughs> I appreciate the hyperbolic irony in this particular yes. si- situation. That's really
1: nice. I, I did not notice that. So I'm glad you picked up. But on also it. nice
0: that they're giving positive message to the employees like, hey, yeah, you guys are the smartest employees in the world.
1: Yeah, that's really, that's really nice, actually. That's nice to be appreciated in that way. Yeah,
0: it is. Really is. Um, so would you like to move on to Chuck, Mary, Kill? I would love to. Great. Chuck, Mary, Kill. Uh, Aaron probably won't want me to explain it, but I'm going to. God damn it. It's the part of the show where we identify one uh, element of this episode that we liked so much. We want to marry it. And one part of this episode that we did not like so much that we'd like to kill it. Um, what was your Mary this week?
1: I would like to marry the entire B-plot. I thought, like, apart from the, like, logic issues of, like, Big Mike locking them in Mm -hmm. and Big Mike asking them to do it anyway, I loved him, like, fishing. I loved him coming back. Like, all the Big Mike stuff. I actually, like, I wrote in my notes that, like, I actually liked Morgan in this episode. I thought that him escaping and trying to get a turkey for Jeff and Lester was really funny. I thought that Big Mike coming and actually being the one to get rid of Leader was really funny. Mm -hmm. I fully enjoyed this, th- that whole plot. And I'm glad because some of the Bymore More B plots are, as as we have discussed before, are a little lackluster, in my opinion. So I really, really like this one. And it was nice to see these characters be like a part of the episode as a whole and not just like a ridiculous like thing that's happening in the background. Mm-hmm. What about nice. you?
0: Um, mine was kind of weird, but I like in terms of set design or I, I'm assuming this is set design but i realized that i'm really impressed by the castle's computer system and all the monitor mm. displays because if you look at it it's like nine computer monitors and they all have that kind of whatever desktop display they have and all the windows mm. like that's pretty impressive mm. whoever had to sit and come da- come up with it i was especially thinking of this when they were going through um, the fulcrum agents going through that roster mm. and they had all the code names on the side i'm like someone had mm. to that's pretty impressive like that they would have all the code names and the photos and I just think it's it's underappreciated.
1: Yeah, and actually, I didn't write this down, but um, so I'm going to ask our audience to do work, I guess. But the the code names are references to different uh, like movies and uh, TV shows and things. Especially, there's one that's a reference to something that Adam Baldwin is in. Um, like the code names are oh, okay. actual things, so the writers or set designers or whatever did uh, pay attention to that. But I did not. Uh, I did not care to make a note of that particular information but you can look it up if you're interested
0: cool um what would you like to kill
1: so i would like to kill um i i would not get rid of the scene of ellie and the turkey but just one of the mechanics of it is that ellie takes a piece of turkey and puts it in morgan's mouth and then he takes a bite and then she takes it and puts it in her mouth i thought that was uh really gross and weird and i did not like it and no one remarked upon it and i i just would she could have just taken her own piece she could have still fed morgan like that's fine but then she should have taken a separate piece because i don't want morgan's saliva anywhere near my mouth so that's that's my kill <laughs>
0: do you notice it seemed like morgan just got a haircut before this episode it seemed like his hair was extra sharp i feel like as the episodes go on his hair just keeps getting sharper and sharper
1: <laughs> that's his- right. he's he's slowly turning into like the plastic santa from the santa Claus plus three he's just gonna be a plastic man
0: <laughs> duh that classic pop culture reference <laughs> that everyone understands i saw
1: that in theaters i saw it in new hampshire too so
0: oh, you, i feel like you're trying to put that on me for some reason by yeah. saying that <laughs> i didn't make I you go it. see that in theaters
1: <laughs> i was in new hampshire chris it's your fault <laughs> everything that happens in new hampshire is your fault
0: oh i know somehow. i know yep. um my kill for this week um and we had kind of touched base on this a little bit earlier so i'm glad that you kind of also were feeling this way but i didn't really like the carnival stuff um mm-hmm. i appreciate that they had the kind of like novel setting in the first half of the episode instead of in the mm-hmm. second like third act because mm-hmm. i feel like that's usually what they do um yeah. even though sometimes a lot of times they do have like a novel scene and or, or location in the first or second act but mm-hmm. um i just feel like it didn't really add anything to the plot or story besides mm-hmm. like the writers were like well wouldn't it be cool if they had like an action thing at a carnival i'm like yeah, yeah it'd be cool fair. if it was in the gravitron like i I did not look at any bonus features or anything like that. But I feel like when I do look at the bonus features, there's going to be some point where someone is going to be talking about this episode and be like, yeah, it was just an idea. We were floating around in the writer's room for a long time. It was <laughs> like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we had uh and they just needed, and they just shoot horned it into this particular yeah. episode. So
1: and I, I think that's, I think that's, and funny. I thought
0: the, like the, the visual metaphors that they had, like the hall of mirrors for when Jill is revealing her true self and Chuck is all concerned and is, questioning everything he knows i feel like it was kind of on the nose so
1: yeah i think that's fair i didn't really uh i didn't think about it in that way um i watched this episode in two halves i paused it halfway through and then watched the next step the next Mm -hmm. day so I actually like I saw all the carnival stuff like the first day and then I saw the rest. So I completely forgot about the carnival. Yeah, it's just, we it's really forgettable
0: because it. it doesn't come back yeah. up towards the end. Yeah. Like if they had to go back to the carnival for something, I feel like it would make more sense. But it just feels very yeah. just kind of like throwaway at the beginning. Yeah. Pretty forgettable. Yeah,
1: like the hotel in the last couple episodes where like the the Guy, like Jill's boss's stuff is in the hotel room like that felt more relevant to the plot mm-hmm. and like everything than this did. So yeah. I, I would agree with you. So, ostensibly, this is the end of the Jill plotline, at least for the immediate future. Um, I don't personally remember what happens with her, so all of this is fresh in my mind. I just knew that she showed up and was bad. So, we kind of wanted to do a little little Chuck Mary Jill here, where um, we kind of wrap up our thoughts and feelings on the character of Jill. Chris, uh, what... What do you think about Jill? Do you think she was a good character? Do you think she was underutilized, overutilized? Do you understand her motivations at all?
0: (laughs) I do not understand her motivations. Um, And I think that she was underutilized, perhaps, because I think that Jill is obviously not as dumb or naive as she makes Chuck and the team think in the first two episodes. The first mm-hmm. episode, we think she's just a scientist that Chuck bumps into yep. her. In the second episode, we're still also thinking that. Um, yes, but at no point during the second episode is it even alluded to her being a spy, but it would make mm-hmm. sense because she or there were opportunities for that because they brought her to castle multiple times. Yep. They she was alone in Chuck's apartment with um Ellie and Awesome weren't there, like yeah. And, a,
1: and she asks a lot of questions, where like she asked a lot of questions about their missions, like. And that was under the guise of, like, jealousy about Sarah, but she could have definitely, like... And then she was asking Chuck, like, how did you become a spy? And I thought that was, like, trying to get into on the Intersect or something. Mm-hmm.
0: But, yeah, like, at no like, point does she slip at all, and she doesn't really seem yeah. to be excited or change her behavior at all when these spy yeah. things start happening. She seems mm-hmm. like she's pretty even-kill the whole time. And, like, I don't think that she even... I don't know if it would have been too much if they had her making dropping little hints that she was a spy throughout mm-hmm. the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um Cause or they may maybe could have done it in a way that you kind of think like maybe she is, maybe she isn't and kind of confuse yeah. the audience a little bit. So then when you still have that big reveal at the end of the second episode, everything falls into place. But I was like, why mm-hmm. did, cause like watching this episode, I'm like, okay, so she's definitely a fulcrum agent, but in, they never make you think that in the previous two, but they also don't explain mm-hmm. why she didn't make you think that. Because yeah. she doesn't, I don't know, they don't make her seem like she's this awesome, cool, cutting spy. She seems very uncomfortable with the whole thing.
1: Yeah. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I wasn't sure. Like, this is part of the reason why I I don't remember if she comes back, but I wonder if she does and she's, like, fully evil or something. Because I feel like the way that they do it, it really could have gone either way, where, like, she was lying about just getting pulled into it, and actually she totally believes in what Folkham stands for it, and she's really bad, and she was just, like trained to defeat the lie detector or is it like actually like she just got pulled into it she really doesn't want to be there she really did kind of have feelings for Chuck Mm -hmm. etc etc I feel like the lie detector gag or not gag but the lie detector stuff was cool like because like I liked the like negative flash that like Chuck isn't looking like I, I liked all of that but it was also confusing because we're like is she trained to fool the lie detector or are those like her two things? And I feel like if for the purposes of understanding like who she is and everything, I don't really know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, a lot of reviewers talked about how she was kind of a flat character. I think that's fair. Like I think her and Chuck have banter. They maybe have chemistry, but I don't think that like she felt very like plot devicey and much, much like the uh, security system in castle or the security system in the Bymore. She felt like, she was in the episode to do what needed to be done to make the plot continue, and not really anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, poor, poor Jill. Could she could have been so much more. But you know,
0: pretty, uh, pretty complicated feelings about Jill.
1: It's complicated. Um.
0: So now, talking about the scooter scale, ranking this episode, uh, scale zero through five, five being the highest we could possibly give an episode of Chuck. Um, I, for me, I'm going to give. The, I have. I don't really have much to talk about with this but i'm just gonna give it a three out of five i feel like this was okay. just middle of the road for me like i didn't really have strong okay. feelings either way i was kind of like yeah take it or leave it so three out of five
1: i'm gonna go ahead and give it a four um i really enjoyed this episode mm. particularly i like the be fun as i've already said mm. But I like how the B plot and the A plot interacted, and I agree with what we talked about over the course of this episode. Maybe if I had, uh, maybe if I was scoring it now, I might score it slightly differently. But I'm gonna stand by what I thought. Uh, just ending the episode, I feel like they always wrap up these plot lines with like guest stars and everything, like relatively quickly. Like I kind of wish we had a little bit more of Chuck and Jill, and then like we really got like a sense of betrayal if she had been here for like. Mm-hmm instead of two or three episodes if she'd been here for like half a season i feel like that would have been better but i do think that like accepting that the episode itself felt fully formed to me maybe not the carnival things but like it felt like a cohesive story and i ended it feeling satisfied and like happy with everything that had happened so i'm gonna give it a four okay
0: yeah that's valid yeah um cool so episode eight season two
1: so we will leave you uh wish you a happy Thanksgiving. We hope that you enjoy your turkey and your mashed potatoes and whatever else. We hope you enjoy the parade and the football <laughs> games and whatever else you decide to do on your Thanksgiving. Yes.
0: The next two episodes are not Christmas related, but I think the third one is Christmas. It's coming up. Not that Thanksgiving can't be its own thing. I know people are like all, you know, upset because they're like why can't Thanksgiving just why does it have to be the start of Christmas? Why can't it just be its oh. own thing? That's not what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Just letting you know like we're not we got two more episodes before we have to get like all holiday themed.
1: Thank you, thank you for uh, yeah, thank you for clarifying that because I I have not watched them yet, so I didn't know. I I can uh, save save some. I don't have to put up my Christmas decorations just, <laughs>
0: just yet. yet. <laughs> also coming up, the special 3D episode.
1: Oh, that, I thought you were going to say also coming up the end of this episode of our podcast. Well,
0: that's also coming up right now. My name is. When is
1: the 3D episode?
0: We are four episodes away from it.
1: Okay, that's cool. I'll I'll get my glasses, I guess. I guess
0: so. I, I don't think they'll do that. It's going to be interesting. I was really looking forward to it cuz they the yeah. the DVD set comes with 3D glasses.
1: Oh, that's exciting. So I'm going right, to be ready. Cool. So you can experience it. Yeah.
0: In all its glory. I like is it going to wow. work? I don't I'm so interested. I'm so excited to do that one.
1: Yeah. Um All right, me too. No.
0: Well, on that note, my name is Chris Gillespie reminding you that food, particularly Thanksgiving food, and especially if you're Morgan, is sexy.
1: And uh, I am Erin Rana, really agreeing with that because I am very hungry and I'm very excited to end this so I can go eat. Uh, so without further ado, I will say that anything is possible.
0: See you next week. Bye bye.
1: Chuckies.
0: Chuckies. All you Chuckies out there. Couple of Chuckies. Chucky cheese.
1: Oh, that's there a good go. one.
0: Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at GoChuckYourselfPodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.